0: From seven CTOs. My name is Etienne de Bruyn and you're in the CTO studio.
1: Welcome back to the CTO Studio. My name is Nikolai Walker. Today, Etienne de Bruin is interviewing Augustine Lebron, who's the co-founder of Esalen Research, which helps CTOs build their tech organizations. He's also the author of The Laws of Trading, A Trader's Guide to Better Decision-Making for Everyone. We're gonna jump in right now where we're gonna find out exactly what GPT-3 is. So I think I want to start actually 3 years ago when uh, the Vaswani paper attention all you need is all you need first came out. It was this idea of kind of attention layers the architecture that all these natural language processing systems are built on. Because the the dirty little secret about GPT-3 is that it is in architectural terms exactly the same as that paper from three years ago. It's just all the numbers got significantly bigger. So the idea is, it used to be what we thought about as being the right way to do natural language processing is with with these things called LSTM. But the point is, the, these la- these things is kind of this this idea of okay, well, take some take some data, keep some state, and just kind of keep going forward with it. Uh, and then later on, we kind of discovered that that you could do something else called attention, which is basically telling the network, kind of pay attention to these things when you're looking at this other thing and sort of finding the relationships in text that way. And then this attention is all you need paper came out where they just threw out all the LSTM stuff and just said, just do attention. And it got world class performance on a bunch of stuff. And everybody's like, wow, this is crazy. And and the crazy thing is, as, as we kept making bigger and bigger networks of attention layers, then Things just kept getting better and better and better. Uh, and so GPT-1 came out a year and a half ago, two years ago, two years ago now, probably. GPT-2 came out a year ago, a little less than a year ago. And, and then so GPT-1 and then, and then Microsoft came out with BERT, which is like something, some kind of variation of it. Uh, GPT-3 came out. And this was the first one that really crossed over out of kind of AI research or ML research into the broader tech conversation, which I thought was kind of, I think that's the most interesting fact. Um, where people were sort of, they they were asking it questions, having it complete, you know, questions and that sort of thing. And and it felt very human-like. It felt very real. And that's kind of what got maybe VCs interested. And then it's like, okay, well, now we're having this conversation.
0: So I don't know how much you want to get into this, but I am very curious. Uh, When my son was born... I wanted to, I noticed how he was learning language. He was simply repeat, he wasn't learning words, he was learning sounds. And he wasn't saying sentences, he was just saying a phonetic sequence of sounds and that happened to sound like a sentence to me. So I was wondering if there was a way, the LSTM is not that, right? So LSTM is just a way to keep state as you keep
1: processing input. Right. So you can imagine it as like a little piece of state that has like a little feedback loop so that its past output becomes its new input. It's kind of how you should think about it. And so and so yeah, like you need to sort of keep state in your neural network in order to understand context. Right. That's I mean, you can't understand language without understanding context, right? And so that's that's kind of been the goal is increase the the well how well it understands context.
0: And so When you say moving to attention model versus that, what are we saying?
1: So now the way that you sort of pay attention to context is kind of structurally different. It's still sort of the same goal, right? You're sort of going from some text here all the way to some weird internal representation of kind of the semantics of that, what that actually means, so that you can then essentially just predict the future, predict what is the next text that's going to come. And if you can do that, then you can kind of arguably say sensible things. Like if I ask, if I seed it with a question, what year, uh, or who won the World Series in, you know, 1999, then like, if it has enough context, it will answer, I think it was the Yankees or whatever, (laughs) just kind of by the nature of its training.
0: I'm hoping that if I ask GPT-3 who won the World Series in 1999, it will say to me, the world is consists of many continents and many countries. So when you say World Series, which country are you referring to?
1: But the funny thing is, like, and, and I think this is the, the reason that I think people maybe overestimate the potential of this GPT-3 as it currently stands, is that if you ask it, who won the World Series in 2025, it will happily tell you the New York Yankees, right? Like it has no concept of, I don't know, right? It's just trying to somehow predict the future of, right?
0: Now, so do you think that's true that we, that the human brain just has a bazillion million of those? And so that's why we understand, uh, or, or are we getting to meta right now?
1: I, I don't I don't think so. I think it's a very valid question. I don't think so. I think the human brain clearly has structures that are dedicated to certain things. Like we have sort of a visual system that is like optimized to learn visual things and whatnot. And I'm quite sure inside somewhere, there's a structure that is optimized for storing abstract concepts, which is not really a structure that GPT-3 has, right? It's just kind of, it's kind of an automaton. Don't don't laugh, but you know, I'm sure you could have a nice conversation with GPT-3 and like 85% of it would be pretty meaningful.
0: So for instance, um, right now, my brain is using my eyeballs to stare at a rectangular monitor that happens to have a image on it with a rapid sequence of a picture that happens to look like Augustine LeBron. And somehow, my brain's not like, what? What? what are you doing dude you're talking to a screen my brain is like no you're talking i'm i mean am i talking to the augustine lebron right now i mean is that a fact are we all in a computer simulation are you running some sort of zoom plugin? in <laughs> it's the natural response to that right that would be gpt3's sort of um answer to all questions when the when the when the path dries up. I just want an AI that can answer questions when I have it. Like like Star Trek. Can't I just say computer? That show I was watching last night. Can you just put it back on for me? And then, boom. Happening. Now I have to go to my Apple remote I have to turn on, I have to press menu, I have to double click on a thing. It's like, dude, why? Why are we doing this? I believe that you have to have the perception that you're speaking into space and that the thing is ever present. I'm not in my watch. I'm not like, hey, Siri. You know, I'm just like, right now, what does LSTM stand for? Boom, have it. I mean, but have you have you heard him describe it, though? I mean, I think the, the hole in your head is like
1: this big. So Neuralace, right? That's Elon Musk's company that's kind of working on this sort of
0: stuff. Man, that sounded pretty scary. T- I, I honestly, again, considering that the internet is a series of tubes, the cloud is a server farm, you know, uh, whatever we just said. Really, is neural lace just gonna be freaking wires through the brain that just measures electrons? So GPT three, you've been following it. You then wrote an email, or what? Yeah.
1: So I mean, I uh, just kind of interacting with with a couple of people that you know have opinions about these things, and and it seems like it kind of breaks down between. Um, you know people who think this is this is a world changing event um, and people who uh, interestingly people who the people who are closest to the technology are the ones pumping the brakes on it the hardest. If you look at open AIs, what they've said about it, Sam Altman, Brockman, all these guys, they're like, yeah, it's impressive, but it's not like this is not it, right um, but it feels like it's it right to to the to the human it feels so close to it. What does GPT-4 look like? That's a good question. I think in, if you read the paper, the GPT-3 paper, the authors pretty clearly state they're at the limits, kind of fundamental limits in being able to train structures like this. Um, if only because it has been given essentially all of the text that humanity has available to give it. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not a ton. And so, like, how do you train a bigger version of this thing? Like, there's just no text
0: out there to give it anymore. now uh one idea i had to bring it back to my effort to write a bit of an nlp with my son's birth i did look into uh why don't i just take all the possible phonetic combinations ever whether it makes sense or not and just have that and then in my question is in that cloud well in that combination of words can one have all words and all combinations
1: well this is the uh this is the thing right the 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 infinite library where all conceivable books have already been written right uh so yeah i mean maybe (laughs) i think it's starting to get beyond my pay grade certainly thanks again for joining us here at the CTO Studio. Again, my name is Nikolai Walker. I want to send a thank you to Etienne de Bruin for finding uh, Augustine LeBron, who is the co-founder of Esslin Research, which helps CTOs build their tech organizations. He's also the author of The Laws of Trading, A Trader's Guide to Better Decision Making for Everyone. That book is available on Amazon. I do encourage you all to check out EsslinResearch.com as well as check out 7CTOs.com. And for continuation of this discussion, we ask that you go over to cto studio.fm